All aboard, folks. All aboard. This is episode 111. 111. 111 of the Q&A podcast. That's right. We're back. My name is Anthony, and sitting right across from me, as always, is my pal, DeQuincy. I'm trying not to laugh because laughing makes me cough, and if I cough, I'm going to be coughing for five minutes. <laughs> I was not expecting that opening. <laughs> you never know what I'm going to strike, my oh, friend. God, I'm going to die You, you never know. Oh, Jesus Christ. Nah. Uh, sorry about the delay, folks. Um, I, I've been There's been a sickness hitting my workplace, and um, it got me this weekend, and I'm getting over it. I got all the Ricola I can handle. And uh, and I'm 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 helping. I'm uh, assisting. I'm supplying the laughter, because as they say, as we all know, laughter is the best medicine. Or it may kill me when I can't breathe because I'm choking too hard. (laughs) But yeah, I woke up yesterday. I called into work. I called into work. Went to sleep. Woke when I woke back up. I literally sound like uh, Goliath from Gargoyles. My voice was that damn deep and gravelly. I was like, I can't go and visit. I, I see was, what you did there. I was Keith David. I couldn't go in, so <laughs> gargoyles. I'm, yeah. I see it. yeah, I'm feeling. I'm feeling. Well, I'm feeling better. Not 100, percent but I'm better. I'm ready to get back to work. That's good. That's crazy, man. You're like out of all my friends, you're like the work Iron Man. Like, and I mean that like Cal Ripken Jr. Iron Man. Like, I don't think I've ever heard you call in or hear. I don't think I've ever heard a story of you calling in in years. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm always the guy. I'm the guy on Twitter that's like, "Yeah, if you're sick or you need to take a <laughs> mental day, you need a vacation, you use those damn hours because your job don't care about you." And then I go to my job day in day out, and I'm like, "Like, currently I have like over a hundred sick hours and forty hours of vacation time." Dang. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, oh, "Should I call? Should I call in?" Oh, I'm not really feeling. It. I'm calling in. <laughs> yeah, I'm always telling people, yeah, use that time while you got it, then I've hoarded all this time. Although it, was, it, it wasn't by, it wasn't because I wanted to, it's because, like, if you don't use up all your, if you don't use all your sick time in a calendar year, they double it. So I checked my, my check one time, and usually you get, like, two or three hours of sick time per check, and my check mm-hmm. had, like, 38 hours of sick time <laughs> on it. <laughs> And so I have 109 hours now. Man, maybe they're. Uh... That's that's after the eight I use. On right. <laughs> maybe they put something in your coffee because they're like, man, they got, this guy's got to start using his hours. <laughs> yes. Uh, your sick hours going forever. Your vacation hours are capped, unfortunately. Yeah. But my, they're not capped until you hit like 140 hours. So I have some time. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah, my job. My job has some benefits. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, man, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot that's been going on, and I want to start with what I would consider as breaking news. Um, something you tweeted to me a couple of hours ago. Oh, I didn't tell you about this in the prep because I wanted to talk about this from the jump. But I, the article that you tweeted me is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. And it's from a website called BallerAlert.com. And the title <laughs> says, Lionel Richie believes longtime friend and musician Stevie Wonder can see. You've now, been on this train for years. I have because, you know, look, blind or not, blind or not, Stevie Wonder is one of the greatest musicians, you know, of the last – 50 years, obviously. Um, But my first, you know, uh, my first reaction to all of this began when he was being honored at, I think, the Grammys or something, and Jamie Foxx was on stage with him, I believe, and they gave him a standing ovation. But, but you know, just in my sick and stupid head, I was like, is that even necessary? Like, you're wasting all that energy standing up for someone who, who... what I believed and we all believed couldn't see it. 
Okay, first off, it's a show of respect, even though the person can't see it. And secondly, you do not want to be the one person sitting down while everybody else is giving a standing ovation. You'll never leave it down. You'll always be the asshole who sat down during Stevie Wonder's uh, standing ovation. You don't want 100%. To be- no, I, I, I agree 100%. I would just rather everybody not stand up in solidarity. You know, that way we can all, you know, we all look around and make sure that nobody's you know, nobody is, uh, you know, doing too much. You know, let's all let's all sit in solidarity and just cheer. You know, <laughs> louder than we would. You know, because he can at least hear. So and he can hear that. Um, <laughs> but man, when you when you tweeted me this this article, I, I my eyes like I, I stopped ex- right where I was at because I was like, this this. <laughs> This can't be real. Lionel Richie is claiming that that he believes, you know, that Stevie Wonder can see. And and here here's the thing. If this is true, if this somehow, some way, in some alternate universe or whatever, if this actually turned out to be true, that's a wrap, my friend. That's a wrap on the term controversy the the term scandal that's it because there there would nothing could top that and i tweeted you that nothing could top that because for one of the biggest stars in music to go an entire career an entire lifetime you know a 50 plus year career 60 maybe 70 years you know living in total that's it i mean you know, to, and to have everybody convinced that he can't see that, I mean, nothing, no, there would be no story, no scandal, no controversy bigger than that ever. That would top Area 51. That would top JFK. That would top, you know, a lot of other things. I feel like the second I sent you that story, you just went, aha! <laughs> and pointed at, your, pointed at your phone like, I knew it! I knew it! And like, and like, Lionel Richie, it's, it's weird. Like, he has a lot to lose by making a claim like this. So, for him to make the claim, you know, without like sincere, with you know, without sincerity, you know, is a huge risk. So maybe he's onto something. I don't know. Like, who knows? Like, uh, you know, he told according to this article, he was on the Kelly Clarkson show, which. I didn't even know she had a show. And the article quotes Lionel Richie as saying, I'm going to tell you something. I've been spending my whole life with him thinking he can see. I know he can see (laughs) the American quote, the American, the American idol judge age 70 said on the Kelly Clarkson show on Wednesday, December 11th. I, (laughs) I don't know, man. So, yeah, so Stevie Wonder's 70, Lionel Richie is uh, 69. I'm, all I'm going to say is if Lionel Richie just disappears tomorrow, we know who to send the police to. Oh, of course. Because Stevie got them shooters. Stevie got them hitters. <laughs> but anyway, man, come on. Let's move on to the big news from Saturday let's hope, night. Let's hope the story isn't true because that would be devastating. Mm, but uh, yes, okay. I'm ready to move on. I just want to kick off with that. Okay. Start with, right. Sorry, I'm trying to suck on these cough drops and talk at the same time. It's not working well. Um, moving on. Saturday night, we had the big boxing match between Ruiz and Joshua. You could tell that I didn't watch it because I don't even remember the first names. And it wasn't Saturday night. It was Saturday afternoon. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, oh, Saturday they, Saturday afternoon, our time. They were in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Man, everybody getting that blood money, aren't they? Hey, they sure are. I That's a lot. That There's a lot to go around. I say that knowing full well that I would, I would go over there and get every dollar I could. Of course. The rumor I heard... Uh, Joshua's getting forty million for this fight. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but God damn, that's a lot of that's a lot of blood. But that's uh, a lot of dead journalists. <laughs> um, yeah, Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz Jr. 
a rematch um, from their fight, I believe, six months ago mm-hmm. at Madison Square Garden when Andy Ruiz Jr. stepped in on a few weeks' notice to fight Anthony Joshua, who was the heavyweight champion at the time, heavyweight champion of the world. It shocked the world, basically. Um, only in the sense that Anthony Joshua is, you know, he was built like a bodybuilder and knocking guys out. Mm-hmm. And Andy Ruiz looked like a guy who came off the street, you know, from his regular job uh, and just somehow put together one of the greatest game plans of all time. It, it wasn't that first fight, you know, at the time it wasn't a fluke because Ruiz outboxed him. Mm-hmm. He outboxed him, withstood Joshua's power, um, knocked knocked down Joshua three times and then knocked him out with a fourth, of, you know, or knocked him down a fourth time, which stopped, stopped the fight. And it was incredible. It was like I actually got to see it live and I couldn't believe I was watching it because I'd never heard of Andy Ruiz Jr. had no idea who this guy was. And it comes to, then you come to find out he had over 300 amateur fights. I um, had only one loss in 31 fights as a pro. And apparently that was a very controversial, very close fight that he probably should have been awarded the decision as well. So all of that, like, you know, led to this great Cinderella story, this, this incredible story of, of uh, the underdog overcoming the greatest of odds to, to beat, you know, the, uh, the perfect looking heavyweight fighter you could ever imagine. So fast forward to six months later, we have the big rematch in Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. and Joshua had a lot to prove. He, his career was riding on this fight, was on the line in this fight. And Anthony Joshua won the rematch, beat Andrew Ruiz Jr. in 12 rounds, beat him convincingly, um, changed his game plan completely because Anthony Joshua was a guy who was always going for the knockout. And that's what got him in trouble against Ruiz Jr. The first fight is that he was going after the knockout and he got caught, He, you know, or not caught, but he was just too wild. Ruiz knew how to withstand the barrage, knew how to work inside, work the body beautifully, and was able to set him up for a knockdown. And there are multiple knockdowns. Mm-hmm. And in this fight, Joshua changed the game plan. He boxed him. He outboxed him, worked him on the outside, jabbed the hell out of him all night. And it was disappointing, not that Joshua won, because if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna change your game plan, like they always say, you know, the the key to boxing, you know, it's what Floyd Mayweather has made a career of out of it's hitting while not getting hit. Mm-hmm. You do I, I feel like that's the key to life, but continue. Right. You do as much as you can not to get hit, not to get hurt. And Anthony Joshua went that direction for this fight. Andy Ruiz Jr. came in as the champion, came in as the underdog, because I think a lot of people were, especially casual fans who don't understand boxing, were still convinced that it was a fluke. Um, and in, in, in many ways, they were justified. But at the same time, it was, dis, it was disappointing <coughs> in the sense that Ruiz just didn't come prepared. He you know was what, you know 15 what it really pounds heavier about? than... Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. It reminds me of Buster Douglas. Yes. Beating Tyson and then getting overconfident and wrestling on the laurels and never hitting that high again. Right. I'm, he had, I'm not saying that Ruiz will never, can never win a championship again. I'm just saying that, you know, you can't come into a match 15 pounds overweight. He can't. Not work. He came in at 283 pounds, which is insane. Joshua came in 10 pounds lighter than his fight. Then their first fight, he came in at 236, I believe. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's a, it was a classic, it was classic boxing, you know, it was, mm-hmm. and not in a good way. It was the story of the guy who came out of nowhere, the guy who nobody gave a chance, wins the heavyweight title, wins the big fight, wins the biggest fight of his, fight of his career. 
and it goes straight to his head as soon as they put the belts around his waist. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. You know, Ruiz, again, came in 15 pounds heavier than his first fight. He, the first thing he did was bought himself a, a brand new Rolls Royce, you know, and look, do what you want with your money. Enjoy life, enjoy your money. But when you do that, as soon as you win the title, that's a clear indication that it's starting to get to your head. You're, you're looking, um, you're, uh, you're looking beyond boxing at this point. It's all about flexing, essentially. You know, he was partying a lot from what I understand, you know, eating a lot of tacos and drinking a lot of tequila. Uh, oh, that reminds me of my, my favorite quote from Andy Ruiz. Quote, I gained too much weight. For God's sake, they gave me an endless supply of Snickers. What the hell is that about? <laughs> I mean, that. there you go. I mean, the fact he, you know, athletes should be the most disciplined people on, on the planet. You know, you get paid a lot of money to be in shape, to do, you know, or to uh, display physical skills that a, you know, the majority of people can't do. And, you know, the guy made the rounds. He made the media circuit doing podcasts and interviews and going to fights and doing all this stuff. You know, things that, that you should do when you're on top. You know, you should be meeting Mike Tyson and you should be, you know, going to big fights and stuff like that. But when this fight, when that fight got signed, he should have put it all aside say that'll be there when I'm done with this and got back in the gym properly trained the way he trained for the first fight. And, uh, you know, we, we might be, we might be having a different discussion about, uh, the end of, of Anthony Joshua's legacy or his career. Uh, Bud said he ate Snickers and bought cars, which, you know what? I can't hate because that's what I do. I was rich. I, I can't either, but it's a uh, it's a classic boxing tale, you know. It just it kind of uh, it never fails with with guys like that, and uh, you know it's a bummer. But uh, we'll see. You know, maybe they they do a third, you know, a trilogy fight. And maybe he gets into shape, and and maybe that will culminate in a war. You know, maybe they won't take each other lightly for this third fight, and you've got two warriors in there going at it. Uh, who knows? Uh, I will say this though: if if uh, if Anthony Joshua thinks he's going to beat Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury, even, um, I think he's sorely mistaken. I think Deontay Wilder is the most devastating heavyweight we've ever seen. The guy knocks people out viciously. Yes. Because right after the the, um, the championship match ended, I text you, does he have a chance against either Wilder or Fury? And your response was just, nope. No. He, I don't think he has a chance against either. He gets knocked out by, by Wilder, who Wilder's last fight, he fought Luis Ortiz. He knocked out Ortiz with a straight right hand that connected on Ortiz's, Ortiz's forehead. He hit him in the jaw. He hit him in the forehead, and he knocked him out. I've never seen that. I, that rarely happens in, in boxing, in, in fights. You you get knocked out because you get you get you know uh, you take a shot to the jaw. He got hit in the top of the forehead, and was out, <laughs> just like that. I mean, just dropped him. Fury boxes the hell out of Joshua because Fury is bigger than Anthony Joshua in the sense that. He's six seven, I think, six eight, six something like that. He's over six six. He's a giant. Anthony Joshua was six five or six six as well, but he's bigger than he's bigger than Joshua. Uh, Tyson Fury is, and he moves around. He moves around like a a guy a hundred or you know seventy five pounds less. Him he moves around like a uh, a welterweight. Tyson you know, is uh, listed at six nine. Yeah. I mean, he, they were saying, you know, during the Joshua Ruiz fight, you know, talking about 
or you know, you know, saying he was floating like a butterfly and stinging like a bee. No, the closest that we have to that these days, because nobody can do what Muhammad Ali did. Nobody will ever do what he did in the ring. But in terms of footwork for a heavyweight, Tyson Fury is as close to that as we've seen probably ever. The guy moves around, yeah, like a welterweight, or like a welterweight, a super welterweight, a guy who fights at 154, 157 pounds. You know, heavyweights just don't move around the way Tyson Fury does. So I think, and that's what's going to make Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder a really interesting fight. The re, that rematch, which ended in a, the first fight, ended in a draw. Uh, it's going to be, I think that's going to be a great rematch. I think it's going to be way better than the rematch we just saw on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, it was a bummer to, to see Ruiz uh, show up in the shape that he did, show up in the condition that he did, perform the way he did. You know, good for, for Anthony Joshua. You know, again, I can't fault a guy for, for fighting a safe fight, mm-hmm. for, um, you know, doing what he needed to do to win. Um, even though, yes, fans, we want to see guys beat the hell out of each other. It's, it's a primal instinct. When you see two people, two men or two women in, a, in the middle of a ring, in the middle of a cage, you want to see them rip each other apart, you know. And we didn't see that. And that's fine. But, you know, as a try to be rational about it, that's fine too. Like, you know, uh, he got, because he got the win, you know, ultimately. And, and that's, what, that's what matters to him. Um. Yeah, so that was that was Saturday. That was kind of you know what I did was watch that fight and kind of you know uh, go over that a little bit, you know, analyze that a little more than I would like a a football game. Oh God! That was Saturday. Sunday we saw another ass kicking. Well, no, we actually we saw an actual ass kicking, which we didn't see on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Texans. A week after beating the Patriots on Monday night on Sunday night football on a national on national television, Sunday afternoon, they lost to the Denver Broncos, thirty-eight to what 20? 24. And it, and Twenty-four. It wasn't even that close. That it was thirty-one to three at halftime. It was twenty-one to nothing by the time I started watching because I was with I was with uh, my son and you know I'm being I'm doing the dad things. And I turn on the game, and it's 21 to 0, and not in our favor. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And, you know, I told, I told, I talked to my dad about this. I mm-hmm. talked to some friends about this because they were, they were asking me, oh, who, who are we playing this weekend? That's where we're playing Denver. And I said, here's the thing about Denver they stink this year, but you cannot overlook a team like that. You can't because those are the teams that are out looking to play spoiler to uh, prove the critics wrong, to prove the fans wrong. Um, and playing for their next contract, whether it's right. for the Broncos or another team. Exactly. And for us to show up the way we did, it's just, it's really, well, okay, I'm going to calm down. It's typical Texans. Yes. You know, I, Trey Wingo had, I think it was Trey Wingo, had a tweet that was basically the Texans be, uh, losing to the Broncos after beating the uh, the Patriots is so on brand. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, it, it just – it never fails with this team. And, yeah, I mean, it's – you know, you take two steps forward and you take one step back, and that's how you wind up with uh, a first-round exit in the playoffs and the 20th pick in, in the next NFL draft, which oh, oh, no we don't pick. even have. Yeah, that's yes. right. That goes to Miami for the Tulsa trade, who had another mistake-filled day today, um, Sunday. Three um, false star penalties. It's like, at some point, like, I played offensive line in school. If you can't hear the snap count, at some point, you just need to turn and look at the ball. Right. <laughs> like, it don't make no sense to keep doing making that same mistake over and over again, especially at home. False starts should not happen at home when the crowd isn't losing uh you know cheering let me tell you the fans had nothing to cheer about on that game jeez they no nothing at all they made drew Locke look like the second coming of um john elway um kareem jackson had the game of his life oh against against his former team and really nothing the texans didn't start playing until the second half and by then it was already over (laughs) 
Yeah. They got booed to hell heading into halftime, which they so which they richly deserved. And of course, and of course you know, they have the uh, Bill O'Brien comes talk to the media on Monday, and it's the same old spill. It starts with me. It's my fault. Um, we need to do better at every facet of the game, blah, blah, blah. It's like I keep hearing the same thing over and over again after these losses, and it never seems to change. Yeah, they beat the Patriots, but what the fuck, man? Yeah, and if it starts with you, you got to go. Yeah. You got to fire yourself, if anything. No, well, we know that. Yeah, yeah. After the season they had last year, losing to the Colts at home in the first round, he somehow got more power. So, you know, he's, he's watch after this, he's going to be the goddamn GM, and they're, they're going to go out in the first round again at home against Buffalo. Oh boy, I mean, this but you know, it's not surprising at this point. So, you know, I'm not. Uh, you know, it's it's disappointing when you see a performance like that. But in the grand scheme of things. I'm not disappointed or I'm not shocked by being disappointed. Yeah, it's like it's maddening, but it's not disappointing. It's just if they won yesterday, um, I'm sorry, if they had won on Sunday and New England after New England lost, they'd only be a game behind the Patriots for that second seed. They would have had an outside chance of a bye because the Patriots still have to take on Buffalo. Right. But you know. Now we're at the point where it's like, hey, the Texans really need to win their next three games or else they might be on the outside looking in. That's right. They could – I mean, because we're tied with Tennessee at this point. And we have one game against Tennessee left, correct? Two. Two. Oh, my gosh. Uh, sun, this Sunday is at Tennessee. Then a game after that, Tampa Bay, and then Tennessee here in Week 17. Holy cow. Well, then, if anything, Sunday is the biggest game of the season then. Because if you lose the first game against Tennessee, what's the point? You know, I mean, you might as well just bow out, I guess. Or or not – I'm not saying – what I mean is – Fans should just say, okay, well, you know, we're not going to the playoffs this year. If they lose that game, their best they <coughs> they lose, they still have a chance to make it as a wild card. I mean, depending on how you feel about the Steelers who are sitting at even five, but it would just be the same old shit. Just a different year. Yep. Yeah. No, I feel like every time we get on here to talk about the Texans, it's sad. Or Remember we talk about it's never good. <laughs> it's never positive. Just never. <sighs> that's all I gotta say. That's that long sigh. Yeah, no, that's it for me. Mm. For Texans. Texans talk. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the real big the, stories. The real big stories. The baseball hot stove is heating up. Oh, boy. Thank God, because last year was such a snooze fest. Last week, it was on simmer, Mm -hmm. and it got turned all the way up to high. Um, Yes, it was. Oh, what's up? No, I have not. Go check in your room. Or go check in the bedroom. Sorry, my son's looking for his uh his Ninja. Lego notebook. Hmm? Oh my my own notebook. Wait, are you talking to Anthony? Yeah, I'm talking to Anthony. Oh. Oh. Hi Anthony. He says hello. Hey buddy. Anthony says hi. Hi Anthony. <laughs> I don't know where You're your book is, but we'll find it, okay? Okay. I love you. Oh, it's right here. Oh, you found it? Awesome. Here you go. There you go. It was right there. Love you, buddy. Uh-huh. All right, I'm leaving Good that answer. In. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. All right, back to uh, <laughs> to baseball. Oh, where, I'm sorry. Where were you? You're talking about yeah, no, I, I was, was simmering last week. They had it on simmer, and then they turned it all the way up to, to high. You can cut that part out because I <laughs> said it at the beginning. But that's no, okay. no, Eric, <laughs> we leave it all in. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, man. Like, so Zach Wheeler signed, was it last week with the Phillies? Yes. So he left the New York Mets, signed with the Phillies for five years, $118 million. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Um, it's a big signing for, for the Phillies. Obviously, oh, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a nice commitment to a, a, a nice pitcher, you know, who has pitched in the NL East his whole career. Um, and is, I think is good enough to, you know, he's obviously the top of the rotation. You know, he's, he's your, your top guy going into next year. Yes, yes, yes. So I just, uh, you can see what's on my screen, right? Yes. All right. So you can see Zach Wheeler, five year, 118 minutes. I did not know he was 30. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. But, you know, that's okay. I mean, he's, you know, 30 is a prime age, you know, for, base, <laughs> for a baseball pitcher. So. Yeah, I remember, like, I, the biggest thing I remember with Zach Wheeler is when the Giants traded him to the Mets in order to get uh, Carlos Beltran for, like, yeah. the, one of their runs, their postseason runs. I don't remember. I don't think they won. It's one of those even years where they couldn't pull it together. Correct. Or did they have odd years? No, it was, the, it was the odd year they could get it done. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, as you can see, Wheeler got paid. And then right after that, Steven Strasburg, seven years, $245 million to stay with the Washington Nationals. So that was Monday night, correct? Let's see. Or Monday afternoon, I believe. I believe so. It was on Monday. uh, Yeah, December 9th. Yes. And so you start the week off. Man, that's crazy town. He... (coughs) Ops out of his contract. He had four years remaining on that on his original deal. He opts out of that. And when that happens, you think, oh man, he's gonna go sign somewhere else. He's gonna go sign up, you know, with, with San Diego or sign with one of the LA teams, mm-hmm. you know, to sign a huge, <laughs> huge deal that you know those teams would, would have been desperate to give him. Well, I mean, well, I guess they weren't desperate enough because they mm-hmm. ultimately didn't sign him. But rarely does a guy opt out like that only to re-sign with the team. So that was huge for the, for the Nationals. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's a high price tag. You know, it's $35 million. I mean, he earned it based on being Will Terry's MVP this season. Um, seven years is a, a, a big commitment for a guy who's 31 years old, who has had Tommy, sur- Tommy John surgery earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he he's he's an ace. He's still an ace at the end of the day, and you pay you pay your aces, and he got paid, and it's good for him. Very good. He's got a full no trade clause, which is awesome for him. Eighty million dollars of his contract is deferred. Really? Yeah. Uh, let's see if I get this right. Nobody's oh. talking about that. Yes. Referred contract. It's hard to read. Sorry, I'm just going through this right now. What is the first upcoming deferred contract? It shows, yeah, 2027, 2028, 2029. He gets $26.6 million in those three years. So after he's, after he's done, yeah, he'll he's be, still going to get paid. Yeah, he'll be heading towards his 40s. That's awesome. Uh, still not as awesome as Bobby Bonilla still getting paid a million dollars a year, what, 20 years after he retired, basically? I don't know. I can do a lot of things with $26 million in one year. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I Look, $80 million is still $80 million, and it's uh, impressive if you can get it without having to play for it at any point in your life. Uh, but I'm just still always fascinated by the Bobby Bonilla, the Bobby Bonilla contract that just won't end. <laughs> won't end. Just a mis- again, mismanagement of the New York Mets. We could do an entire podcast on that. Ooh, they should do a thirty for thirty on that. 
on on the Met, you know, the whole Mets fiasco. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so yeah, so Strasburg uh, resigns with the Nationals, and so, so, are, so are the Nationals the favorite in the National League? Um. I'm going to say no. Oh, who do you got over them? I saw the <laughs> Dodgers. If the Dodgers sign an Anthony Rendon, for example, or even if they get a Madison Bum- Bumgarner to kind of round out that rotation. Um, I've seen rumors of them trying to trade for Francisco Lindor. That would be huge, too. Because... It's like the Dodgers are – it's just – I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is about the Dodgers. They just probably – I think if, if, you're, if, if the Dodgers were to get Madison Bumgarner, I think they would be the favorites in the, in a, in the National League because um, – I can still see your screen. Because uh, Bumgarner is a, a proven – is proven in the playoffs. Clayton Kershaw is not, and that's been that's been the difference for the Dodgers all these years. Is that Clayton Kershaw has just not pitched like Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. So I think if you bring in a guy with experience, with big game experience, like Bumgarner, I think that makes a difference. The Nationals, yeah, they had a great run, a sensational run. After you know that awful start of you know the 2019 season where they were way under 500 after the first two months and nobody thought they had a chance, but you know again because of that because they were at that deficit they they didn't make the playoffs you know or they didn't win the division they were a wild card team and I think the Dodgers are still more equipped to win if they just add that one extra piece and the nationals are probably losing anthony rendon which is going to make you know you know it's going to make a big difference to their offense um can a team go two years in a row losing two big pieces to the offense i mean look they they lost harper at the end of the 2018 season uh and still won the world series this year i get Mm -hmm. that but can they do that again, losing another impact bat? I don't know. I, I don't know if they can pull that off. I mean, it would be uncanny. It would be epic if they did. Uh, I just I, – I don't know if they can do that again. Because that's, that's a daunting task. And that's not saying that, you know, the offense should rely on Anthony Rendon. It should rely on Bryce Harper. But – you know, two years in a row losing those kinds of bats. Like, very few teams go through that. So, we'll see. So, I, I, so no, I would not have the, the Nationals as the favorites current, currently. Okay. I still have, I think I'm the Nationals fair, the fair because you bring up the Dodgers, and the only thing I think of is, like, what has happened in the last six, seven years that makes me believe the Dodgers can get it done? Well, I think this time around, their young rotation is going to be a, a year older and a year seat more seasoned. You know, Walker Bueller. Um, gosh, I can't remember the other guy's name. I looked this up. You tell me, smart man. Come on. But right now, um, no, you know, it's know. not like Clayton Kershaw is. Look. I think at this point you have to anticipate Clayton Kershaw being hurt at some point in the season, uh, but still being good. Because that – I mean, he's basically – I think he's cheated himself out – or his body has cheated him out of maybe 70 wins in his uh, in his career. Just all the games he's lost, it, it, it's crazy. Um, so there's a starting pitcher right there. That's not a fair lot. Let's see. But I think if you get another year of Walker Buehler, who had a really great season, 
this year. Um, I think him and Kershaw go into the next season is still maybe the best one-two. Well, no. Second best one-two combination behind Scherzer and, uh, and Strasburg. But I still feel like Bueller can – Bueller has a chance. Bueller at his age – Yeah. Bueller at his, at his age, at this stage in his career, has a chance to um, – he has a chance to make up for the failures of Clayton Kershaw in the, in the postseason. And I think that could – you know, that's huge. And I think that, I mean, that's really what the Dodgers need. They, the Dodgers, as much as they need Clayton Kershaw to be Clayton Kershaw, the, you know, as much as they need him in the postseason to be the Clayton Kershaw of the regular season, which is one of the most dominant pitchers we've ever seen, at this point it's just not happening. But I think Walker Bueller could step into that role. And if you have one of those guys doing that, then I think with that offense um, and the rest of that pitching, I think, it could put him in good shape to uh, to come out of the you know out of the National League. Okay, but again, you know we're what six months away from the start of the season. We have a long time for all of this to play out. These we're are just like kind of four. My, yeah, April. We got four. <laughs> four. Don't, okay. Yeah. Don't push back. Don't push the start any further than it is already. Okay. It's gonna be waiting forever. Uh, so, uh, yeah, four months. So, let's move on to the biggest news. Because I woke up this morning, got on Twitter, and saw that Garrett Cole signed a nine-year, $324 million deal with the New York Yankees. The Yankees are back. And by that, I mean they are spending, spending, spending once again. About and it's all on one player. <laughs> Look, it's about time. It's getting embarrassing to see other teams like the Astros outspend the Yankees. Yeah. George Steinbrenner, may he rest in hell, would never stand for that. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I, I said what know, I said. I don't think you know what you just said. I said what I said. I know what I said. Fair enough. But, yeah, getting back to um, the signing um, – as you know, you know me, I'm pro player, get every dollar you can. So I think this is a great deal for Garrett Cole getting that much money for um, that many years. Of course. Um, it's great for the Yankees. They, they have that number one ace type picture and that can go every five, five days. And but it's great for the Yankees now. But in five years, maybe six years, I don't think it's going to be so great. I don't think they care. If if they win now. If they win the two out of the next three World Series, then let's that contract to, has paid for itself. Sure. But let's get to one. Let's let's win one. Let's get to one one World Series at first before we talk about multiple. Because Cole is the, you know, he's the ace. You know, he's a legitimate ace. He's at the top of that rotation by a long shot. And he's definitely the, the type of piece he's definitely the ace that that a team like the Yankees needed um, but you know it's baseball you know it's sports man you know not most sports are not centered around one particular player you know it, it's it's you know with the exception of singles tennis boxing and MMA you know sports are about the team and the yes, pieces and, that you have. Uh, nothing's guaranteed. And right. as we saw with the Astros this year, just because you believe you have the best team going into uh, the start of the season doesn't mean you'll be holding the trophy at the end of it. And a little bit of my cup, a little bit, a little of what I'm saying, I guess, is maybe some sour grapes. But, you know, it is what it is. I, you know, I, again, you go out, you get as much money as you can, obviously. No fault. No faulting you for that. Um, 
but what I, I, I do <coughs> want to stress, and I feel like it's not sour grapes, is that just you know a reminder because I think we should all we all should know by now. But it is just a reminder, he's not going to be as good as he was last year. I think he peaked. That was a historic season, the 2019 season he pitched. Agreed. But if he pitches 80% of what he did last year, 90%, that's enough to get to a World Series. Okay. Uh, Yeah, of course. No, I'll, I'll give you that for sure. I just... I just hope that, you know, the expectations are not 2019 expectations, you know. Well, why not? Because I, I just don't think he can do that again. I don't think he can – I don't think he can put his body through that again. Here's the just thing, though. Up 300, almost 330 batters in, in 200 innings. Here's the thing. Last year, the Yankees just barely lost to the Astros on a walk-off home run in Game 7. And now they've taken the Astros' best pitcher and, and now have them on their team. So they've weakened their opponent and made them so stronger. A team that almost made the World Series last year. Why wouldn't you believe? I, I believe they're the best they're the team to beat right now in the American League. Huh. No, it's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think I'm thinking with my fan cap. For that one, and I'm I'm not afraid. I'm I'm not ashamed to admit it. I have no I have no real legitimate reason to to doubt you. Just other than you know, I still think my team is or you know the Astros are better. But I mean, it makes sense. You're obviously making sense that the best pitcher from this team jumping over, yeah. It makes sense. It's, it's not like the Astros went out and swept them in, in four games last year. And so you're like, well, Cole's going to make a little bit of difference. No, that game came down to the wire. It came down to an Altuve walk-off home run in the, what was it, ninth, tenth inning? I can't even remember if it's all. Tenth inning. Yeah, the same thing. So it wasn't like the Yankees were, or that, were that far away last year. And they went out and had the best player on the – well, the best pitcher on the market. Right. To anchor the lineup. Yeah, no, I I can see, you know, I see what you're saying. I do. And thinking about it more, I think what it is, it's, it's, it's scary to think about the Yankees. Because not only, they, not only are they getting Garrett Cole, but they're probably getting a healthy Giancarlo Stanton this year, or this upcoming year who was decimated by injuries. That whole team was decimated by injuries during the regular season. <coughs> and the idea of a fully healthy Giancarlo Stanton uh, back in that lineup, backing up a pitcher like Eric Cole, yeah, I guess, you know, it's it's uh, no surprise that they would be considered the favorites. The only issue I have right now, and it's a small issue that can be fixed with a with a backup catcher, but Gary Sanchez trying to stop those cold curveballs in the dirt. Oh boy, I I doubt he'll be catching him during the season. Yeah, that's the that's the only minor issue I see. Just you know, but Yankees it was have bad. It was bad yeah. watching that during the during the ALCS. Yeah, but the Yankees can find someone. To, you know, some backup catcher to play 40, 50 games and, you know, take a take a pass Gary Sanchez or those back. I know who they could go get. Who? Uh, Cole's catcher this season. Oh, um. Was it Maldonado absolutely. or Chirinos? Sure, either one. They're both free agents. They're both free agents. <laughs> either one of those you could go get. And yeah. Especially if Garrett Cole were to request them. Yeah. Hey, that's my guy. I need you to go get my guy. Okay, we're going to get your guy. And they could get him. And it would it would make perfect sense to have either one of those guys as a backup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel comfortable saying that um, next World Series, 
the American League champion is either coming out of the West or the East. It's either going I think it's oh, yeah, yeah. be the Astros, the Yankees, or the Red Sox. You know, yeah, that much I, I definitely agree. I think it'll you know, look, the Astros lost Garrett Cole, but they're not I mean, it's not like they're yesterday's tomatoes. You know, they're not gonna they're not not gonna make the playoffs. You know, they're they're not gonna they're not going to miss the playoffs, is what I'm trying to say. They should win that division. Um, we're looking at, you know, you're looking at Lance McCullers coming back healthy. You know, hopefully he can bounce back. Or not even bounce back, but really just put it all together. Yes, but I've heard a rumor that they're only going to have him pitch somewhere between 110, I mean 100 to 120 innings. That's perfectly fine. That's like that's what you have to do. With yeah, but guys if, coming off Tommy John surgery. If that's the if that's the plan, it's like, well, where if you're playing, you're, this team definitely planning on making the postseason. So where does he fit in pitching wise? Like you can't you can't pitch him throughout the regular season. He hits that one twenty limit and then he's done for the playoffs. Right. But you can't, you know, save him for the playoffs and then he won't be ready because he only pitched like. Let's see, if he only pitches like 90 innings, that's what, 10, 11 games? That's Not true. In the regular season, he wouldn't he wouldn't be prepared for the playoffs. So. Unless he well, capped him at five innings start. Yeah. But um, I still think they're going to go out and get, some, get another pitcher. I think they have to. Um, I would, you know, we, we, I talked about him earlier. I would like for us to go make a run at Madison Bumgarner. What's with you and this Bumgarner love? He's the, he's the best available free agent. He's a, he's a bum, man. It's in his name already. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to bring uh, what the Astros pitching rotation is going to look next year, but my internet is crapping out. So while we wait on that, let me – oh, it popped up. It was like as soon as you start talking about something else, I'm good. So <laughs> for the – Astros right now, the pitching rotation is like Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Lance McCullers, Jose, whose name I cannot say. Orkiti. Orkiti. And you can read that name because I'm definitely not reading it. <laughs> Rogelio? Rogelio Armentos. Armenteros. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Who is he? I've never even heard of him. I think he pitched for the last year. He must have, right? It says he was drafted by, or you know, he was, a, we're his original signing team, but I've never heard of him. Here we go to the Google machine. No Forrest Whitley again. Oh, he's Cuban. Yes, he is Cuban. Yeah, he pitched what two games last year. Oh, okay. I definitely missed those games. I'm not even gonna try to say. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Minor leaguers, you should know. Legal enough. Forrest Whitley and Kyle Tucker. Yes. Francis Martez. He should be. He had Tommy Jones surgery last year, did he not? I believe he did. Okay, so maybe so. But uh, okay, going back to what I was saying earlier about pitching. So another rumor that sprung out of the winter meetings where the Astros were looking into trade deals that involved Carlos Correa. And one of the deals that came up was Carlos Correa and Josh Reddick trade to the Reds for 26-year-old starting pitcher Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm. I like it already. You, you like the deal? Um, kind of. I don't really know too much about Castillo. Oh, well, you show my page. So let me put his baseball reference. Last year, he was an all-star. Went 15 and 8. Much of that matters. Under 90 innings pitched. What is the RA? 3.4. Thanks. 226 strikeouts. 
in 190 innings. Yeah, ERA plus uh, 133, which means he was 33% better than the average pitcher. And 1.14 whip. Yes. And I believe the most important thing of all is that he still has four more years of control. Ooh, big. <coughs> that's huge. Um, I like it because it saves some money for some other th- things. And at this point, for this team at least, the Reddit contract is an albatross. Only that, only in the sense that it's it's like thirteen million dollars, but for a guy who didn't show up in the postseason, didn't really show up in the regular season, um, who you overpaid to get. for those first two years of the contract, essentially. You know, it was fun in 2017 when, you know, when he brought the woo chant to the team, you know, it was, it was part of the culture that, you know, got this team going, Mm -hmm. but he, he's not getting any younger. And it's money you could save to spend elsewhere. And that elsewhere could be. <coughs> oh, sorry, I'm dying over here. That elsewhere could be signing hometown boy Anthony Rendon. So that's the second part of the rumor. The Astros would trade away Correa and, and um, Reddick for the uh, Luis Castillo. And then they would sign Anthony Rendon, put him at third, and move. Um, um, Bregman the shortstop. Right. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. <sighs> Are you making that deal because you're confident you're going to sign Rendon? Or do you make that deal to give yourself that to give yourself the the chance to go out? If I'm the Ashos I think I make that deal because A, Castillo is a really good pitcher who has cost control for another four years. Reddick makes $13 million. He's a black hole. Did you know he hit 275 last year? That's like 50 points higher than I would have guessed. And also, continue my point, he also blocks Tucker at right field in right field. Right. Correct. Which is which is huge. You know. And, and and last thing, I don't – if I'm the Astros, I don't know what I'm getting out of Carlos Correa. We talked uh, – he went into last year completely – he went with a new training regimen that was going to be easy on his back, and he still managed to hurt his back – the mess his back up. He broke a rib during a massage. It's like at some point you get your pass unlucky and you're just injury pumped. And I don't like I don't like have just people having back problems. Period. I don't like people under twenty five having back problems. That seems like something that's gonna that just continues on and on. Where he's never gonna be the guy who plays one hundred and fifty or one hundred and sixty games. It's always gonna be he's gonna give you a plus for a hundred games, C minus for another twenty games that he's recovering from injury, and then you know a zero for every other game he misses. And would you rather have that situation, or would you would you rather have, uh, let's say, and they get Anthony Rendon at third base, and he gives you B, he gives you a B effort for B production, B B plus for 160 games. It is a it's a tough pill for fans to swallow, for fans to accept. I just want to point out one thing. I never thought I would say Anthony Rendon would be healthier than anybody considering all the injuries he had at Rice coming into That's, the draft. <laughs> right. I, I just listened to me from like ten like eight years ago is like what the hell are you talking about? That's what I was thinking too. You know, it's like you're sure you're giving up one injury prone player to go out and get essentially a much more expensive injury prone player. And 
look, everything you, you, you laid out, it's something that I just fans, I feel like, <coughs> overlook too much or they just they don't want to admit it. But that's kind of where we're at with Carlos Correa. You know, he has all the potential in the world, worthy of being that number one overall pick back in 2012, I believe, 2012. But, you know, he he's injury prone. He is, uh, I mean, really, that's, that's really all that matters is that he's injury prone. <coughs> I think fans are too much. Here's the thing. Here's, this is where I, this is how I kind of look at, every, at everything. I feel like the fans are too invested in the idea of this core group of players that we want to have around to be buddies, to be best friends, to be, you know, members of club Astros or whatever they called it back in 2017. You know, the guys that make the HEB commercials together, you know, it's not just Jose Altuve making the HEB commercials. It's, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, George Springer, Carlos Correa, all four of those guys making those commercials together, you know, building that camaraderie or, you know, or having that bond together, making money together, winning ball games together. And I just, I feel like there's too many fans out there that just don't want to admit that Correa. He's just going to be injury prone at this point, and it's not going to get any better. And you're right. He's going to give you 100 crazy good games, close to 30 home runs by 100 games, and then drop off for the remaining 62 games. Yeah, sometimes. Or not even be there. And that's, that's, what, that's what happened last year. It was like he was on the MVP level, and then all of a sudden you get to learn your phone. He's going to be out because he broke a rib. It's like, oh, fucking course. Yeah. And to go back to your point where you're talking about uh, all these guys not getting along, I'm like, of course not everyone's going to get along. It's a job. Everyone, no, no. Who, everyone who listens to this right now you can think of one person at their job that they can't stand. No, no, I'm not saying – I'm saying that – I think the, what I'm saying is the fans are too invested in the fact that these guys are so close together. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you want a core group of players. You want your core, you know, you, everybody wants their core four that, mm-hmm. like, the Yankees had, you know, during those World Series years. You know, everybody wants that. You know, that's, you know, that's how, that's how you win championships. You build, you know, you build a team <coughs> around guys that have that have come along together, that have want that know how to win together. Obviously. That's that's the goal. That's huge, mm-hmm. and it makes things easier on the organization. But when you have a guy that's that's just as injury prone as he is, you know, it's like you're 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 taking a big risk by hanging on to him. Because you might not get anything out of it. Everybody's getting riled up in my house. Amari, shoes. Oh. Yes. Let's hurry up and wrap this up because I got about, oh, five minutes before I have to go pick up the missus from work. I got you. Um, man, yeah, you know, it was – it's a big day. You know, it's, or it's been a big week already in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as I like to talk about those signings, at the end of the day, I'm – I'm always more concerned, not concerned, but more interested in what Go get the, other shoes, the straps. What the Astros do, you know, mm-hmm. that's at the end of the day, that's what I care about. And, and also what if, you know, we kind of go back and forth, but in Luno, we trust right at this point still, I think we're still there. I think we're still at that point where we 
I think I think we're okay with the moves he makes. And if that includes trading Carlos Correa, I think fans will get over it and uh, continue to trust trust this process that that uh, we're going through to yeah. you know remain on top or close to it. Mm-hmm. Two World Series trip, one World Series victory. Been to the ALCS three times. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on this train until it falls off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It might fall off when the when this cheating scandal finally comes to light, but I'll <laughs> stay into that. All right, innocent man. until proven guilty. Exactly. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. All right, man. That's all I got because I got to head on out. Anything? Quick, you want to say? Oh, give your socials. Uh, Instagram at n o t e l r i c. All right, um, and I have an Instagram, but I'm not giving it out because I don't do I don't put pictures on that that often. Uh, t- my Twitter is Quinn unders- uh, Quinn underscore two eighty eight. That's Q U I N underscore two eight eight. Great, great follow. And just- I like to keep the expectations down. That way, when they come in and they see all the greatness, <laughs> I see. Stop. I'm like okay. Keith Lee. Once they see it, they bask in my glory. Oh, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, this triple threat match is about to start. It sucks that I'm about to leave, but that's what it is. All right. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, nothing else I can think of right now. Leave a comment. Yeah, get on my Twitter, his Instagram. Leave a comment. Tell us what you would like to us talk about I have not one but two big plans for 2020 that are probably going to hopefully change the way we do things around here but let's let it go all right for Anthony I'm the Quincy later babies <laughs>